Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Eduardo Bereff, founder of Pencil First Games, a boutique publisher of delightful, high-quality board and card games. They're best known for their nature-themed games, and their latest title, Floriferous, is currently on Kickstarter. Ed, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, I am excited as well. I get really excited when I get a chance to talk to people who have cranked through the number of sheer number of campaigns you've done sure. for one, <laughs> sure. and the games you've created. You are just a fountain of knowledge, I'm sure. And uh, I, I think this is going to be a, a fun half hour. So I really want to start off really quickly, just kind of, and I, I do this with a lot of my guests, but I really am curious as to how you got into the industry in the first place. Kind of how did, when, sure. when did you first start designing games? Like when did this kind of thing all take place? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I'm only, only think of the quick version of it. The quick version of it is, so I played a lot of video games and board games, but they were like yeah. the standard Uno Monopoly risk, that kind of fair board games as a kid. Um, and then I went to the University of Michigan um, and wanted to like make video games and no one was doing it. So I started Wolverine Soft, which was like a group of people making indie video games oh, cool. in the U of M. And so I've had the good fortune basically from college on, even though I was a Japanese major, um, to make video games or some technology for my entire career. And so it was really in the video game space that I started producing games and designing games and not, and not board games, but video games that um, I worked for a company called Mind Control Software in, in the Bay Area. And the, art, and the art director there, Thomas Denmark, actually um, designed Dungeoneer and did okay. all the art for Dungeoneer. And at the time he was working on a game called Murder of Crows uh, and was struggling with some of the design and making it interesting. And anyway, you know, he was like, hey, you want to work on this board game with me? And at, at that time, um, you know, I hadn't done anything like that. Um, also was at that company where I, I had the typical entry point into board games with like Catan, Small World, Ticket to Ride, like playing at the office. That was yeah. really like, oh, there are other new board games that aren't the ones you find at Target type of thing. Um, so Murder Crows ended up taking a really long time, and it, but it wasn't until until a few, maybe four or five years later, I was um, working at a company called Bufang Games, the maker of Zoo Tycoon uh, on, the, uh, uh, on the PC. But um, it's a long story, but that the company was closing and we had some online games at the time. And when an online game or even a mobile game ends, it just disappears. Like you can't ever play it again. Yeah. Go down, it's gone. And um, I, I had this very strong reaction to that. And I was like, it was just a real impetus to like, like if I make a board game, like even if it doesn't get sold, I make a prototype of the thing, like in 30 years, I can play that thing. Um, and that's how I started designing Liftoff, Get Me Off This Planet. Mm -hmm. Handed it, sent it along to a bunch of publishers, waited years to find out that people weren't picking it up. Um, and then it was many years later, we were at a, like a game night thing actually with Aldo from Impression, Impressions, Aldo Giozzi, 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 he's going to kill me for not pronouncing his name. Right. Aldo, <laughs> I just haven't, I haven't tried in so long. Aldo, um, but Richard Bliss, and it was actually at, at his place. And then um, Teal Fristo, who um, also was on Kickstarter. And my wife was like, why don't you bring Liftoff? And I did, and we played and people had fun. And they're like, why isn't this on Kickstarter? And I was sort of like, what do you mean? Like Kickstarter, isn't that like, like I, it just wasn't a thing that was in my headspace, and so yeah, for board games, right? Kickstarter yeah, for board yeah, games yeah. probably back then was yeah. 
seemed like Not, a foreign concept, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I thought you did that for like your special toaster or whatever. And so yeah. anyway, um, basically went ahead and did the Kickstarter. It, it, you know, ultimately it was successful and that then began a lot of stuff. So it was really, you know, I've been doing games uh, my entire uh, career um, and life really. But, um, you know, those were the things that sort of propelled me into the board game space for sure. And, and, and Mike, like you have a full-time job aside from this as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> How? I, 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 I'm, I'm a busy guy. I, I am a executive producer at machine zone, Apple oven, Apple oven acquired machine zone this last year. Uh, and I make, I make mobile games. Um, so these are much bigger teams, yeah. um, you know, 50, 60, 80 type people cross discipline, engineers, QA, art, design, UI, you know, the whole gamut. Um, and you know, board games is a great contrast to that because, yeah. you know, one, uh, you know, there it's, uh, it's WYSIWYG. It's like, what you see is what you get. Like you don't, you don't have this, you don't have to have an engineering team and a platform and a technology. You don't have to worry about all these, a lot of these little things. Um, so you can sort of make what you want more directly. You just, that's it. Um, but it's, it's a great opportunity for me. You know, I, I it, we really are a boutique publisher and it's really a lot about um, ultimately, like there are a lot of fantastic people who work on all these games, but in terms of what we do at Pencil First Games, it's usually a game I want to make with person I want to make or people I want to make this game with. Or just so they're all different, but they're all for me. It's like a jobby, right? Like it's a hobby where it's a little bit more than like your typical hobby, yeah. but it's it's an opportunity to work with people and make stuff that isn't, um, you know, professionally when you're making a game with a lot of people in, in video games, right? It's got to make money <laughs> and like it's got to hit a deadline and it's like very you know there are all these you know checks and balances yeah. in place because it's so expensive um for for me the the board game space is great creatively because i you know I, I don't have to shove it out the door if i don't think it's ready or i don't have to you know cut that that little frill from it to save a buck if i don't care to save a buck right like i yeah. can just say no we're not going to save a buck we're going to do it with the extra thing in the so inside of it and we're just going to make less money but that's okay because we're trying to make something that is you know really high quality and crafted and, and fits the brand is what we're doing and, and so far you know folks are responding to it um we're not we're still pretty small right like i oh, mean yeah. bigger yeah. than i mean not not I think our long get longevity out is, is bigger than our su success to a degree, but um, I mean, Herbaceous has done really well. Skull Call has done really well. Um, Fulifers is, 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 has had a really strong start on, on Kickstarter for sure. Um, but when you, when you get to the bottom of these, you know, it's not like I could quit my job, right? Like, so yeah. it, it's definitely, um, you know, a growing business, but not one that's, you know, suddenly, I, li I like the term you came up with, a jobby. I haven't heard that before. That's oh, good. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I'm going to steal that. That's awesome. No, no, please. I stole it from somebody. I can't remember where I got it from, but right. It's that line where you're like, because it really is a hobby. It yeah. really is. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. No way's driving Porsches making board games, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's you know, it's, you know, you, you made that, you sort of said, I, I do a lot of things, but, yeah. you know, this is, this is my fun thing. This is the, this is the kind of thing that it's like a hobby where I enjoy it and I get satisfaction from it and, and um, um, recharge from it as opposed to drain. So it's got that sort of hobby, but like at some point it's like, you know, it's a lot of stuff to, it, it involves a lot of nights and weekends, right? Like it's, it's a oh, lot yeah. of, 
a lot of stuff. Yeah, people, uh, and I think that's the illusion some people have coming in. I'm just sharing my screen for people sure. watching. Um, I mean, you've got 16 campaigns, 16 campaigns, I think, right? You've done all together. Yeah, Flip first is the 16th. Though, yeah, you know, gaming, you know, with Edo was a, a the uh, you're raising funds YouTube, for your YouTube, YouTube channel, channel and so yeah, forth, so right? It's yeah, not that many games, but I was yeah. running the numbers. I think you did. You've done like I think North. I always put this in Canadian dollars because it sounds larger, as our viewers know. But um, you hit. I think over 600,000 you've raised across your different campaigns, which is a lot of money. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, you know, yeah, again, it, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. I mean, Kickstarter has allowed me and the folks involved on all of the pencil first games to work together, create something yeah. we love and share it with people. I guess, I think the, 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 the biggest takeaway though, is when you run a Kickstarter uh, almost to any scale of success, um, at least that I've ever seen. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, gigantic scales, but yeah. like with anything within like, you know, any, I would say like any Kickstarter that's under a hundred thousand dollars, like when you scale the success, but the cost of the product, the, the cost of the platform, all the deductions, and then the like ever explodingly growing, um, um, shipping and, 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 and yeah. freight and all the issues that we're seeing in the industry right now, a lot of them are break even. Make oh, yeah. a couple extra bucks, but nothing, not a lot. I mean, my first one was a huge loss actually, because I, I made some mistakes early on. It was too expensive at liftoff. And it, uh, it was when it all got added in the box, it was more than, um, what was it? Uh, two kilograms or whatever the line in the sand was. So like all of my international shipping, like literally doubled and yeah. like, you, it, it raised 55, but it cost me 70 or whatever, 65. Yeah. Right. And so, so I think, uh, it's absolutely true that it's raised that and that amount of money, but that money by and large goes to getting the games into people's hands. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and that's not to say over the years, um, games haven't been successful at, at retail. It's a big deal when you have a game like Herbaceous and you can reprint it without a Kickstarter, right? Yeah. Then you're, but, um, you know. I, it, I, I think not, that's where like people probably misunderstand, right? Like I was talking to somebody recently uh, about a campaign uh, that I'm running and they, and they said, you know, What's your break even? I said fifteen thousand, and uh, they said, "Wow, it costs fifteen thousand to make a game." I said, "No, it doesn't cost fifteen thousand to make a game, but when you layer in that tax that you're eating when you now with the the new euro rules, right? Shipping in twenty percent, you're going to off off the retail pledge value. You're going to eat shipping costs, market acquisition costs. Uh, you know, your um, if you're doing a pledge manager, if you're doing any kind of social media amplification, like all those things added up." Um, can be, can be sizable. And then it's, if, if you're kind of playing in the zone, as you're saying, where you're kind of under kind of a hundred thousand, it's not even like you can scale. It's not even like you have the economies of scale in terms of the production run, right? Like you need to get into the tens of thousands of right. copies to get, see real significant uh, cost savings at a manufacturer level. So your margin is going to be laser thin. You might be 10 point, even if you break even, you might only make, be making 10%, 5% even, on those incremental units. And I think that probably where the gravy is for a lot of people, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is when you, you cover off your, your base, your, your minimum run, you're covering off in that, in that campaign. So whatever games you have left over, that's where you might make some profit because now you're not those, those additional units aren't, aren't anchored to, you know, acquisition yeah. costs and all and so forth. Right. Right. Yeah. I would, I would say, though it, um so yes well i guess a couple things so yes typically uh the model 
comes to hey you're gonna you're gonna print you're gonna do your print run and say have leftover copies and if you've done your math well you're at least break even and then there's leftover yeah. copies but what'll happen the reason that breaks is um you, you're essentially making a bet on those other copies so like Okay, take a game like Flippers. Campaign's yeah. going really well. Yeah. Um, given where we're tracking, uh, maybe we have 2,000 backers or units, right? So if I just printed 2,000 copies, I could fulfill every person, yeah. and and then you know, and, and then that would be it. That'd be great. And then, but then there wouldn't be any copies to, to go go forward with. So you, you're like, okay, well, let's you know, let's print 3,000 and bring 1,000 copies to, to retail, or 4,000, bring 2,000 copies. Well, same. Let's say 3,000 or 4,000 might be within the profit margin of the campaign. So you're like, okay, well, I'm betting the like, could get 1,000 of profit at the end of all this uh, and turn it into 4,000 if we sold an extra units. Right. But what the people can make is that's true if you're saying 3,000 or 4,000 copies, but let's say you're like, let's do 10,000 copies. That's a problem. So yeah. Suddenly you're actually now negative. You've, you've overprinted, which could mean a big upside if they sell. But yeah. if they don't sell and they're just sitting around for, for four years, um, that's a problem. And what I don't think people realize is like games stop selling. Like, you know, you have games that, that have sort of like a, an evergreen tail and there aren't that many. And again, I, I, you know, Herbaceous is one that continues to sell, for example. Yeah. But um, if, you have a, if, if you have a title that if you, you could be in a, I, I have a game without, <laughs> without, without saying that, uh, overprinted by a thousand units or so. And, you know, we printed more, you know, we sold, but now sitting in a warehouse is a thousand copies of this game. Um, and the game sells a copy a month, right? Yeah. Like, so we're talking about a thousand months of supply, which, you know, which is a lot. And, 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 and then, there, and then, you, you know, even, even if you're only paying 10 bucks, 20 bucks a month on warehouse space, because that's Adds a thousand up. games, it's something. I yeah. think the other thing just worth noting is you know, the gravy that I get is making something I'm proud of and having people enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, that value, you know, with a few minor exceptions, I mean, I, I haven't made any money off of pencil first games, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it pays for our internet, which is great. That's a good bill not to have, but really any money that comes in essentially over the years has paid for you know, you know, the bank account used to like start at zero, go up, end at zero. And then as I've gotten better, some of the titles continue to sell, goes up, ends at 10 and it holds at yeah. 10. And, and so you have a little bit of a buffer. Um, but then, you know, as you have more things going on, you're like, well, I know what it's like to spend a week shipping everything from my house um, to make this number work. Instead of shipping everything from my house, I'm going to use a fulfillment service. Yeah. So, but you increased your cost by a thousand bucks because every there you do, instead of doing the boxing and packing for free, you're paying a person a fifty cents a box to do it. Right. Um, so you're as you're more busy and as you're doing more, you often spend more to a to to like a manage it. Yeah. And that starts eating as well. So so I get you know the, this if you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying what you do, if, yeah. if if it doesn't delight you to see people playing a game and and having joy in their life, if you can't absorb some of that um you're definitely going to have a rough ride unless you have you know a monster hit out of the, out of the gate so let's talk a little bit about floriferous this is the uh 
this is the game that's currently on Kickstarter. I think you have like seven days left or something like that. Yeah, right? this was a short campaign uh, for sure. So what was the campaign length? Was it like 20 days or? No, no. Or? The campaign length was 14. Oh, wow. Okay. 13, 13 days. 13 good days. for you. So that's a, a, a pretty good um, result for such a short campaign. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, you know, we have a, a really strong first day. Uh, actually, Kickstarter apparently had a maintenance for two hours on our first day, which was which was no fun. Yep. I, I can't think of that ever happening during a campaign in all my oh, time. Yeah. But we were on track to have the best first day of any Pencil First Games product. Um, it, it it fell short by about like six hundred bucks, uh, which is not a big. It, it just it would it's an interesting crown, but uh, Herbaceous Sprouts still holds that uh, that top spot. But no, we had a we had a, a really strong first day. I attribute that to. Um, we started a more active awareness campaign earlier. We had the, the preview page up earlier and we're driving people on, towards it. Did the tabletop simulator uh, version, got review copies out. I used to hold the review copies to the day of launch. I let those you know, videos uh, hit first. Mm. And um, Did that help? We, Did you find? Because there's a the standard convention that you kind of hold those, those <laughs> uh, previewer, reviewer videos until the campaign launches, um, one could argue that you benefit from them kind of getting out there early to, to create buzz, right? So so normally, yeah. my my up up until this campaign, and, and I can't I'm not actually prepared to say that it was the right decision, but up until this <laughs> campaign, that absolutely, I mean, that's always how it's been. Don't yeah. you, you if if somebody gets interested in your thing, you want um them to be able to get it then, right? You, 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 want, you want that, you want them to say, I'm interested, here's the link, I now have access to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it, 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 it did help a nice, create a nice awareness. I think it, it got people excited, it allowed them to contribute. I, I, you know, net, net, I could see not doing it as much, um, but it, it did, we did generate, if normally I have a preview page where we have, 400 or 500 folks signed up for it, that early notification. We got it to about 1,100 or 1,200 right before, you know. So it was a nice um, jump of people. And then mm. um, also, you know, my newsletter over the years has grown from each of these campaigns. So, you know, I think I, think I would say it this way. For the folks if you're where you're on on this page, that those four games, yeah. Herbaceous, Sunset Over Water, The Whatnot Cabinet Sprouts, these are all um, designed by Steve Finn, solo by Keith Mateka, me, you know, the development and production and design work I do. Those four with Beth Sobel, we have a new um, artist, Clementine Campardu on this game. But this line of nature, light, easy, super beautiful games, mm -hmm. um, like Foliferous, the, camp, the page you're looking at, like absolutely is in line with that audience. Um, and yeah. so, uh, reaching out to those folks, it's, you know, I don't want to say like a no brainer, but like if, if you've been playing pencil first games and you like those things for the reasons that you do, mm. um, first absolutely delivers on every, every check mark in that, in that group. And I think, you know, one of the success stories I've developed with pencil first games and I've learned over time is, and I think, okay, a lot of Kickstarter creators will do their first game, find success. If they don't find success, we don't talk about them, right? The ones that find <laughs> success. And and um, and then because they're creative people, they'll typically do something else. Like the amount of creators that, 
because you're not not in the wild success like oh right. you have this amazing thing and you inherently have to do it again you have this yeah. thing that worked they get another designer they make it and what they do is they make the mistake of thinking people actually follow uh, let me say this they make the mistake of believing that people buy a kickstarter product for the creator as opposed to wanting the game and mm. and and and, it, and it's both and so what'll happen is you'll have a you know, um, units on a map, you know, uh, you know, like miniatures game, or, and then you'll be like, let's now do a, a lightweight, you know, party game and yeah. they'll switch genres and they'll switch themes. So your whole audience so, is going to jump ship because yeah, and so, you, and so, they, they and, bought and, a minis and, game and now you're hitting them with a light to medium yeah, weight uh, party and, game, right? Yeah. And, and so, and, 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 and a lot of create, I mean, it's very common to see that. And then they don't understand what happened. They overspent, they did all these decisions. It was like, you're, it's a totally different audience. And so, yeah. and I've made that, you know, Pezzo First Games has sort of made that mistake, but with this line, I've really said, you know, I really, I, I mean, these are games I enjoy and play myself, yeah. um, but, but we're, we've really tried to stick within this for this group. And then Pezzo First Games sort of have, uh, has other places like well, Skull Call in other words, but, you know, I think it's just really easy to make that mistake of like, oh, well, your, your Kickstarter back account's always going to go up. It's like, no, if you switch genres and you switch themes, you're, it's a new audience. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, it's something you, you learn from as you go. How many of the 16, cam of all the games you've launched, how many of them are you the designer uh, versus just ones that you've developed or, or kind of taken on to, to publish? Um, so uh, probably, I mean, Liftoff, Gempact, The Siblings Trouble three and a half. Um, but, you know, coming from the, it's a little different um, yeah. than coming from the video game space. You know, board games, more typically a designer has their prototype. They have a game that's developed. They pitch it to a publisher. And actually the bigger the publisher, the more they're like, thanks, we'll see you later. And we're going to now develop it and make it. Yeah. Um, my background is far more collaborative where mm. like, you know, when, when you're the product lead, you're sort of all over the place and you're working with the groups and everyone's sort of playing off of each other. Um, so, you know, for all of, uh, all of the games I work with, St with Steve, these in, in particular, for mm. sure, um, Steve's leading the design, um, but like he doesn't hand it off to me later. Like we, we end up collaborating through the design we talk about all the different elements, both in terms of physicality, but the fun, the audience. Um, and that's true with working with Keith on, 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 on Skull Hollow is an example mm. where actually uh, my kid had pitched, you know, we were, I, I did like a game design thing at his, at his school. Like this is, you know, like years and years ago. That's cool. Um, and he wanted to make a game that was 14. He wanted to make a game with one, one player, like it was 15 people playing all at once. And I was okay. like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's the right thing. And I was like, well, what if it was one person controlling 15 people and the other person controlling one? He's like, I don't know about that. Um, but like, so I went and then actually built out this really early version. And I'm a big Shadow of Colossus fan. I built this early version of Skull Hollow where yeah. I had the monster board. It, it really, like, if you look at it today, it's, it's, it's the center of what Skull Hollow ultimately became. But I really didn't feel like I was delivering on it mechanically. Like I knew the the dynamics, the fun, the aesthetic I was going for, but it just, it wasn't, my work, I, I wasn't doing a good enough job to deliver what I wanted. 
Um, and then, you know, at the time I'd worked with Keith on a variety of other things and brought Keith in. He took over everything, but like it was in the parameters of like, here's where we're trying to go and what we're trying to do. Like, yeah. And, and uh, he did a great job. And then we did play testing together. So um, for sure, every single one of, if it's a pencil first games, like I'm very heavily involved all the way through, but they've, you know, um, Steve Finn has done five of them or six of them. Um, Scott Caputo was the 100 Tory and then Keith Skulk Hollow. Um, Heroes and Tricks was with John Gilmore about halfway through. Um, and I might be forgetting it, but so, you know, it's, it's, it's folks I enjoy working with and, and have worked with over the years. So you don't take like submissions or anything like that as mainly kind of your current network that you've built up? Not, not so, so the, no, I don't, I don't take them directly uh, at all. Um, I, man, these things take three years, four years, right? Like yeah. it, it takes a really long time. I kind of want to work with you as a person, like, because I'm not, <laughs> because I'm not a machine. Each, each project is, is a game I'm going to want to, I'm heavily yeah. involved with. Um, like, and it's, it's a dwarfing amount of time. Like, I'm not trying to like, Steve did incredible work on Foolish for us. I'm really excited. I think it's a great design. We worked on yeah. a lot of stuff. It's gorgeous. But his, his time frame of work is in that whatever, you know, three month back and forth period, four months as we're doing it. And then he's working on other stuff. We play test it, he does. But like, I don't know what total hours it is, but there's some amount of time. But from that amount of time to the amount of time to participate in that, do the development, drive the art, then prep the Kickstarter, run the Kickstarter, do the manufacturing, run the retail. It's like, so, so, I have to love it. I have to love the game yeah. or like, then it's not a hobby anymore. Then it's, then it's a, you know, a death stone in my side. And so <laughs> um, ultimately, oh, and, and Heroes and Tricks was Marco Blanc. But um, ultimately, um, let's take the 100 Tori as an example. Yeah. So I don't usually take it. Scott was in League of Game Makers. I know Scott well. And he was like pitching games around at a Gen Con. He's like, I really think this is for Pencil First Games. And I was like, man, I don't take submission. He was like, really want to show it to you. <laughs> and at the time, oddly, Vincent Dutrait, who's the artist, um, who's like, like my favorite board game artist, period, top, top, top three. Um, he had emailed, he had seen Herbaceous and was like, hey, if you ever want to just make a pretty game that isn't about warriors, dragons, or fighting, like, let me know. And so in the back of my mind, I had this idea of like, how am I going to find a game to work on with Vincent? And then Scott was like, you know, he pitched it to me and I was like, okay, this game's, this game's way too heavy. We're going to have to, we'd have to read, not redesign it. That's not fair, but like reduce it and really work yeah. on it some more. And I would only do it if Vincent signed up for it. So like if the, this works and we got Vincent to say, okay, and we could do it all together. All right. And, and, and Vincent said, okay. And Scott really collapse some elements of it and, and and he did a great job um and then we had a lot of fun together and we we're working on the expansion together so it just it's not it's not like random thing random person sending me a design because it's not about it's it's about it's the whole process it's the journey yeah. for me so if i'm like man i don't think you're gonna be or, or woman or whoever like you're not gonna be this isn't gonna be a fun journey together <laughs> I don't, i'd rather just give it to somebody else even if it's even if it's great like, yeah. like i want to go on journeys that are fun yeah, um, no kidding. You've been a five-time projects we love uh, designation from uh, Kickstarter across different campaigns. I didn't know that number. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So if you go on your um, uh, campaigns you've created and you get the whole grid, then you can see on the grid it'll actually list which ones are campaigns uh, or projects we love. Oh, there you go. I get asked all the time, 
how do you get that designation? And I think the answer I always give is no one knows. I don't know if you have any inclination, but it seems to be just random, right? Whatever Kickstarter decides uh, something. Yeah, mostly. Team likes and, or- and, 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 you know, five time again, under, under 16 campaigns, but um, the, the, yeah, it's, it's most, okay. The team at Kickstarter has changed actually changed dramatically in the last week, but, sure. but prior to that, there were layoffs. There's been some changes. Before that, um, over time, I had contacts at as uh, folks on, on the team at Kickstarter, which you get because of something or another. And so the, the most noteworthy thing that I used to do was, uh, and, and then I don't have any contacts anymore, but this is like two, three, four years ago, is when I was launching a campaign, I'd write an email and say, hey, by the way, I launched this campaign. And that was it. Not like for the sake of anything other than Let them know. one yeah. other place that they might check it out. Um, I really do think it sits on the on the campaign. Like I think they evaluate it. I think looking at their newsletters is a value is is really good. It shows what they're promoting and how. Yeah. Um, and and at some point, somebody told me that it's sort of like. Anyone can bring up like within their team. It's like people nominate titles that they they think are good, and then there's sort of some committee approval process within the organization. So you know, basically, can do you catch anyone's eye for a good reason, and then yeah. um, then they have to then you're really competing. Like I don't know if they have a, a a limit each week or whatever, but you know, I think people just need to always remember when you're running a Kickstarter, man. Everyone else is running Kickstarters. Right. Yeah. So, so you might have a really, there were games where I was like, this is for sure going to get a project we love and it didn't. And, and, you know, I think a big part of it is um, what else ha- happened that week. And, and people yeah. get, you know, people think about that oftentimes in, in terms of, oh, I just got crushed by this big campaign that launched, but, you know, ultimately it, it's a, it's a, it's a marketplace that's a dynamic marketplace with a ton of different products releasing and you know you might have a really we might have a really wonderful looking casual game like Foliferous that mm-hmm. is beautiful and i yeah i think it's a game i love um yeah. but um you know there might be seven other things going on and, and those are just the priorities at that point so with your uh youtube channel mm-hmm. uh gaming with uh edo the for people that don't know about this channel um, can you just give us an overview of kind of what are the basic things that you cover? Sure. Uh, it's really broken into three parts. Uh, one part is just game reviews. I do uh, game reviews, like not so many unboxes anymore, but they're pretty lightweight uh, because I have so many other things going on. There's not a ton of B-roll. There's not a ton of editing, but, you know, I try to give a quick perspective and, and over the years, people have come to like my perspective and, and they'll watch them, but they're, they're definitely not a high bar in terms of quality of reviews to the marketplace today. Um, but that's okay. The, uh, the second piece is industry, uh, and league, league of game makers, league of game makers sort of quieted down over the years, but it's really a spectrum of topics for Kickstarter creators, designers, and anyone really in the board game, publishing, designing, making space or adjacent to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a ton of Q and A's, um, you know, I try to create materials and share them. So I've shared a bunch of the working spreadsheets that I've used in the past. I have a, a Kickstarter basics and advanced 
uh, series. Uh, I do some things on sort of the emotional toll thing. So it's really just um, me trying to share anything I've learned over the years. And, and, you know, the channel has been around for a long time as well. Like, so it's not like one video like this, the, that playlist probably has over a hundred videos, all of which I yeah. still watch today and be like, this is pretty useful. And then the last <laughs> one is, no, and the, I, the last one is just pencil first game stuff. So like when we yeah. do a, a how to play or, a, you know, a, a, you know, live stream or something like that, they'll get posted there. So if people want to follow uh, this campaign, Floriferous, uh, simply go to Kickstarter and, uh, and, and type in Floriferous. I'm going to put a link. You won't the... find any other game name that way. Yeah, you won't. Exactly. And I mean, I'm pretty sure it shows up as soon as you go to games because it's, it's doing quite well and it's very attractive, the, the box. I'll put a link as well in the show notes. So if anybody listening or watching uh, wants to find a campaign quickly, there'll be just a quick link that they can get to the, uh, the Kickstarter page. I appreciate that very much. Um, and no worries. And if people want to follow along on some of this pencil first journey, is the, is the YouTube channel the best way to do that? Or is there a Facebook page or how best do they, do they follow along? Uh, I, I think the best way is there is a pencil first games community um, mm. group. Uh, you know, this actually was something we started um, last year, end of last year and, and has been great. It's that we have the Pencil First Games just company page, which is like announcements, but this is really where we talk about things, we share, people engage with each other. It's really a nice space that I, I, I've come to enjoy, but those are the, the two best places. Otherwise, you can just follow on Twitter or Instagram with at Pencil First um, or Pencil First Games on Instagram. And, and those are good ways to just see the stuff as it comes up. The Gaming with Edo, with Edo Challenge, uh, channel, I'm happy for anyone to check out and take a look at, um, but that's going to... It's a little heavy right now with proliferous stuff. But generally, <laughs> generally speaking, that is, you know, two thirds or more of it is is reviews and industry stuff, and then every every once in a while a pencil first games thing. Um, but but I certainly welcome anyone to check it out. Yeah, even the proliferous stuff on there, I think, is is good to to watch. I was watching the one video, um, which is. Uh, um, you know, Kickstarter advanced, uh, what I would do differently. Right. Um, it was great, right. You get into kind of the weeds on, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you've changed up going into this particular campaign? And I think there's a lot of good learning there for people who may be launching their own games. So, uh, I want to thank you, uh, oh, sure. for your contributions of games to the industry. Um, but also, uh, as a content creator, uh, helping, uh, pass on some of these learnings to others. I know that, um, you know, in terms of resources, there's so many resources out there for people who are looking to get into this industry. You just got to go and start watching videos and start yeah. uh, checking out what some of these content creators have done. Everybody wants to help everybody, which seems that's, to be and that's, uh, the tone. That's here. really what's so wonderful about the board game space. I mean, I talked yeah. about the, the why it's fun to creatively make games, but, you know, the amount of selfless help and engagement from other creators and business owners, um, is, is is amazing and it's really from my experience very different than professional video games like you just the you just don't have that same knowledge share and transfer and awareness yeah you know, there's all sorts of reasons why that's much more complicated but in board games if you're like hey want to learn figure it out there's the resources but then there's tons of people that'll just give you their perspective you got to be careful yeah. some advice isn't as good as others <laughs> um always try to understand you know if, if this person's used to running gigantic mega campaigns and you're starting your own little one, maybe don't spend what they spend, right? Like you got to, yeah. but, um, but certainly everyone's more than happy to help is that's my experience. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I wish you all the best success uh, with this game. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks so much. Bye. 
This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. We'll